What I want to do tonight is I want to share something. I, I, I don't know that it'll be very long, but it is very pointed. And it is coming from a conversation that, um, that our life group leaders were having this past week through email. Every week, our life group leaders, your life group leaders, and they send kind of a report, if you will, to me. And it's simply who was there, because it's important for us to know who is there. Um, what did you do? What did you do? Did you study the word? Did you pray? Whatever, what did you do? Um, what stood out? Maybe it was a conversation. Maybe it was a scripture. Maybe it was a need. Maybe, you know, whatever. And then the last thing is how can we pray? And that being how can our elders and staff pray? So who was there? What did you do? What stood out? And how can we pray? Um, by the way, I, I want our life group leaders to stand up. I don't know if they're all here tonight, but if you are a life group leader, stand up. Are all of our life group leaders here? Ken and Becca, are y'all here? Oh, Becca, you don't have this. Okay. One, two, who's? One, two, three, four, five. Couture's with kids. Sean, our drummer. Yeah, okay. These are our life group leaders. If you are interested in being in the life group, and you should be because that's where the good stuff happens. This is really, really, really good. Life groups are better, in my opinion, because you can talk more instead of listening more. You, you guys can sit down. Seek those people out. We also have a list uh, in the foyer of our life group leaders. When they meet, their emails, contacts, you can just grab one of those. Very important for us at SOMA um, for you to be in a life group if you're not. Anyway... As people were kind of reporting back and forth uh, and talking through this week's discussion, um, which Ken Reed had made. By the way, Ken, those discuss discussion guides that you're making for the groups are the bomb. They're really good. They're inspiring, great conversations. So. <clears throat> Excuse me. But anyway, um, I don't want to take too much time introducing because I want to jump right in. But there was a conversation that was had um, about trials and about tribulations, okay? And I want to read something, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture. So real quick, turn to, um, turn to Matthew 24. And if you are so biblically acrobatic that you can turn to 1 Thessalonians at the same time, chapter 5, that would be cool. So we're going to look at Matthew 24. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're actually going to look at 2 Thessalonians a little bit too. I'm going to read. You're just going to listen. I'm going to read. I don't have any PowerPoint tonight. This is, again, I was going to teach on discipleship, but I felt like I wanted to bring some stuff out on this. I'm just going to start reading, okay? Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to, to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, do you not see all these things? Truly, I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. And just a, a backdrop, a couple of verses earlier, he says, you will not see me, um, in verse 39 of the previous chapter, it says, for I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And before that, he's talking, to, he's kind of getting on to um, Jerusalem and, and just all the rejection of him, essentially. And that statement, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, you're not going to see me until you guys say that. Um, that is a reference to end times. And so he's going into this thing about end times. In verse 3 it says, As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when all these things are going to happen. When, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them and said, Do you, um, See to it that no one misleads you. For many are going to come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and they're going to mislead people. You will be hearing of wars. You're going to hear of rumors of wars, but you're not to be frightened. 
For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For the nations will rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, and in various places there will be famines, there's going to be earthquakes, but all these things are merely the beginning of, say this with me, birth pangs. Very important. They will deliver you to tribulation. Let's say that one really loud. Tribulation. I I didn't tell you which word. Them? They? Deliver? Tribulation. Say it one more time. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away. Talking about falling away from the faith. Many will fall away. And will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And then it says, because lawlessness is increased, or unrighteousness is another, your version may say unrighteousness uh, is increased or will increase. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love, and this is talking about believers. I I talked about this a few weeks ago, actually. Um, Most people's love will grow cold. Some of you says their love will wane. Some may even say will wax cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And there's probably lots of theological debate about what that means. And I don't know exactly what it means. But it sounds like um, they're enduring and being saved has, comes together. Again, that's not our point. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Now, real quick, look over at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Actually, don't go too far. Keep, keep, um, keep 24 there. In fact, if you keep going on in your own time, read the rest of 24 because it talks about um, some more specific things that will happen in the end times, describing more perilous times, things that aren't going to be fun, things aren't, that aren't going to be good. In fact, in verse 21, it says, then there will be a great tribulation. We talked about tribulation. It says there's going to be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. There's a tribulation that is so great, we've never seen anything like it, and there will be nothing like it after it. It will be such a great tribulation. Okay, so that was, that was on in that section. In fact, if you wrote over in verse 42 of the same chapter, Matthew 24, it says, be on alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, he would have been on alert and he would have not allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think that he will come. Now, look over at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to start reading. Now, as to the times and the epochs, Brothers, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord, talking about the end time stuff when God comes and Jesus comes for his bride, and there's all kinds of stuff wrapped around that phrase. I think that was 19 times I read, 19 times the day of the Lord is written in the Old Testament. We see it four times in the New Testament. Old Testament, 19 times. New Testament, four times. You yourself know full well the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while they are saying peace and safety. Then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains. Everybody say labor pains. There it is again. And uh, labor pains upon a woman with child. And they will not escape. In other words, they're not going to stop. But you, brothers, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you 
like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be on alert and sober. And I guess for now I will... No, I'll keep reading. For those who sleep during their sleep, do their sleeping at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are all of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith, love, uh, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are also doing. While you're there, turn over, just probably, like for me, it's just one page. I don't even have to turn. Second Thessalonians 2. Leading, reading a lot of scripture. Now we request, brothers, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we request... Uh, We request you, brothers, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken. Don't be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if it's from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. In other words, people are going to say the day of the Lord's come, it's here, Uh, the sky is falling, falling the sky. You guys remember that? How many of you all remember that? Chicken little, the sky, okay, anyway. So, uh, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy, which means a great falling away, um, comes first. And the man of lawlessness, talking about the Antichrist, is revealed. The son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. There's a lot stuff revolving around that. We don't have time to go into it. Displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was with you, I talked about this stuff? And that was paraphrased. And you know that what re- and, and you know what restrains him now. In other words, what keeps him back from doing his thing now? Some believe that that's talking about the Holy Spirit in us, the Christ of uh, hope of glory, Christ in us. And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And I'll just stop right there for now. I'll read verse 15. So then, brothers, stand firm. Hold to the traditions you were taught, meaning the doctrines, the teachings, the truth, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Hold fast. Stand firm. Now listen, I read a bunch of scriptures. You might be thinking, oh, Lord, he's chicken little. The sky's gonna be falling. My point in reading that is not even to engage into discussions about what's going to happen in the last days or in the timing that it's going to happen as much as these are a reminder to us. I'm reading them to be a reminder of that these things, tribulation and great tribulation, these things will happen. Do we have to dive into it? would take us a, a week just to even begin the conversation about all the things that will happen in the timing. That's not the point tonight. The point is a reminder that these things will happen. Can I get an amen on that? A time is coming when many will fall away from the faith due to hardship, due to trouble, 
due to trials, pressures that none of us have ever seen before or thought of or maybe even imagined, but Scripture talks about them. True difficulty that will bring such great confusion that people will walk away from the truth of God's Word. It will be intense. It will be crazy. But here's the good news. We serve a God who knows what is coming. And listen to me. He is getting his people ready for it. This stuff is going to happen. Tribulation and greater tribulation. It's coming. But God knows it. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be cool. For anybody. But God knows it and he's preparing his people for it. I want to um, read a scripture to you. And you can just listen. If you want to write the reference down, you can. There's a place where Peter says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he, he may exalt you or lift you up at the proper time. And I'm going to pause right there. A lot of times when, we, uh, when I've taught on that before, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, it's actually kind of a, um, uh, like a, a, it's like a scene from almost like a, what do you call that when you knight people? You know, you, you, you bow down, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord. And there's this whole thing that goes around that about a blessing and, and I'm submitting my authority to him. And, and, and that's, that's the greater implication of this verse. But I thought this week, this morning actually, <laughs> therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. And then look what he says next, casting all of your anxieties on him. So there's something more than just that, um, you know, Knights of the Round Table scene going on here. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord and cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on an alert. Whoa, some of the familiar terminology that we're talking about is here. And then it says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brothers who are in the world or throughout the world. After you have suffered for a little while, it's not even like an option. You're going to suffer. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, everybody say all grace. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, after a little suffering, the God of all grace will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And remember what I said. We serve a God that knows what's coming and he's getting his people ready. Do you know how God is getting his people ready for greater tribulation? By smaller tribulation now. Did you know that? In fact, I want you to write this down. This is my sermon in a sentence. You guys know I like to do sermons in a sentence. That way, if you fall asleep during my preaching, which happens, at least you got that, okay? My current trial is preparing me to persevere through a greater tribulation. Listen to me again. Some of you are visiting here. You don't even know why you came. Well, I just thought I came. No, you're here because God wants to show you something. 
Because maybe you've been, been struggling, you've been discouraged, you've been feeling like, I can't do this anymore. But let me tell you something. You can, and here's why. And you have to. You need to. You need to step up to the challenge, and here's why. Because your current, cha- uh, your current trial is preparing you to persevere through a greater tribulation. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? And I'll come back to that. Let me, let me, just, let me read some more scripture. In, in 16, uh, John 16, 33, Jesus himself says, and I've always thought it was funny that he says this, in this world or in this life, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I'm going to be there with you through all of it. It's almost like this, you know, Rudy pep talk, you know. Come on, boys, we're going to be here. You guys remember that scene? How many of you like that movie, Rudy? It's like Jesus is doing that. Guys, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be trial, but I'm going to be with you. And I think Jesus is taking joy in this conversation. Hey, listen, guys. There's hardship coming. In this life, you will have trouble. But take heart. It's going to be all right because I am going to be with you. In fact, he says, I have overcome the world. The very thing that's going to bring you trouble, I've already overcome it. So it's going to be all right. It's like Jesus, Jesus was celebrating beforehand the pain that was coming. It's kind of sadistic. It's not, but... And then his own brother, we read the writings of his own brother, James... Count it all joy. Count it all joy. So there is like this celebrating. Count it all joy. Have a good time, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That's what God's doing. You guys hear what I'm saying? That's what God's doing. The trials and tribulations and the stuff that he's bringing on your life is a preparation. There's greater, time, a greater, difficult, uh, how do I say that? greater tribulation and difficulties coming. And he knows it. And he doesn't want you to fall away. So what is he doing to get you ready for that? He's allowing light and momentary trials in our lives. Man, if we could see that, if I could see that differently, my life would be different. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Not too different from what Peter said. And it makes sense because Peter was around Jesus a lot too. Just a couple verses down, James says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. And he says, And when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. And that goes back to That phrase, he who endures to the end will be saved. Okay? It's not so much that if you endure to the end, he will be saved. It's like, no, the people that will be saved are those who will endure to the end. You are able to endure to the end because you are saved. Do you guys see that? You hear me? James said, blessed is the man who remains steadfast in the trial. For when he has stood the test, not if. We're talking about believers who are supposed to get that we have everything that we need by the way of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our hearts. When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. We can celebrate. You guys listen to me. I know I'm a little hyper. I'm juiced up because this is such an important concept. It's not like this is the first time I've ever talked about it, but it's more real than we even know. The pains and the struggles and the difficulties that are represented in this congregation right now are surmountable. Can I get an amen? amen. Some of you are like, what? You know, I, I won't even. It's tough. It's difficult. I got to tell you, your current trial is just, it's just preparation. 
for a greater tribulation that's coming. Do you hear what I'm saying? And listen, whether it's the tribulation and the, and the great tribulation that's going to happen at the end of the age, the last day scenes, or if it's just a gradual worsening of the world as those days approach. Either way, it's getting more difficult. Am I the only one that can discern that? Man, I was just thinking about, man, that kind of stinks to live today. You remember the birth pains it was talking about? There's another place where it says, man, this, this is going to be rough for pregnant women during those days. People bearing children, they're going to be like, I wish I'd never had children. Not because they don't want children, but because of how tough it's going to be to raise kids, to provide for them. I thought about just the simple things, the gradual worsening of the world that we are experiencing now. How hard is it, guys, girls, ladies, women, how hard is it to remain pure these days? Pure heart, pure mind, pure hands. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one that's having to, like, dang, I saw that. Whoa, there's a, oh, I, you know, you can't look anywhere. You can't think about anything. can't watch anything without something jumping out at, from the screen at you. It's nuts. What about just, even just remaining positive? There's so much negativity. I'm not going to go into the big rant on media and all that stuff. It's not just media. It's people. People are negative. Man, I'll be driving along enjoying my ride to Walmart. And somebody will honk at me because I didn't respond in a millisecond to the green light. I'm like, what are you so mad about? You know? Jeez. What? Anyway. My wife and I were having a conversation about, you know, homeschooling. We homeschool like, school our kids and, like, and we love it. But even the stuff, it's like, you know, making decisions about how you educate your kids anymore. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, man... Should it be this hard to educate our kids without the other education they might get? You guys know what I'm talking about? Whether you're homeschool or whether you're public school or whether you're private school, you guys know what I'm talking about. There's no, there's hardly any safe place just because we live in a world that is gradually worsening. Man, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on about how the world is gradually worsening. But Romans 5, therefore... Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, thank you, Lord. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to seeing or just for sharing God's glory. Look what he says. We can also rejoice... When we run into problems, in other words, because we are by faith made right in God's sight, we have peace. But also, when we run into problems, into trials, we know that they actually, and this is, I'm not even making this up. We know that those things help us develop endurance. This is, this is uh, Paul in Romans. The ladies are about to study all this. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials because we know that they're going to help us develop endurance. Endurance for what? For greater trials. Because they're coming. Amen? And endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Again, tied back to those who endure to the end will be saved. That's all kind of the same thing. Sometimes we misconstrue what that means. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. That endurance that we have, 
increases our endurance and brings forth a greater hope of salvation. Not that I hope I get salvation, but it's because of the hope of salvation that I am willing to endure, press through, push through. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Have you ever read that verse? I love that. This hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We've already talked about that. Second Corinthians, Paul says something else. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Can we say that together? We do not lose heart. Say it again. We do not lose heart. We should all just go rent Rudy after the service, watch it up here, go get some takeout and bring it back so we can have the pep talk of the year. If you've never seen Rudy, you'll know what I'm talking about once you watch it. Come on, boys, get rid of ours. Listen, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. The weaker our body gets, the stronger our spirit gets. Amen? Come on, you guys. This is way better than you're giving me. I know it is. I'm sweating. I know this is good. Listen, <coughs> did you say aw? Oh, you don't have to feel sorry for me. I was just kind of making a joke. Listen, I quoted this a second ago. For momentary light affliction, momentary light Affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. When we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I love that he says these are momentary and they are light afflictions. And you know how we know that? Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe it's the opposite. My burden is easy. You know what verse I'm talking about. Take my yoke upon you. Take upon you my yoke. Because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And that's why we can with confidence say this affliction, it's momentary and it's light. We too can rejoice when we run into problems. Because we know it's going to help us develop endurance. I'm going to read something that Jacob Cheney read or wrote during that thread in the life group leaders. This is the quality of our life group leaders, you guys. You need to be in a life group. You will be built up, encouraged, discipled, empowered, prayed for. You're missing it. If you're not in a life group and you're doing that on purpose, I don't even know what's wrong with you. Here's what he said in commentating on some of this. I see God building our faith through persevering in trials. A weightlifter will not start with 500 pounds to begin learning to lift weights. A serious lifter also will have a trainer and they'll push them. The trainer will push them to lift his max or the maximum weight that he could possibly do every week. He may only be able to do it once. This is the most I can do once. But the trainer is always there to spot him. Most of you know this language that Jacob's talking about. The spotter's job, who's our spotter? Jesus is our spotter. He may only be able to do it once, but the trainer is always there to spot him. The spotter's job, listen to this. This is so great, Jacob. Thank you. The spotter's job is to raise the weight 
off the lifter's chest when he no longer has the strength and or to assist in lifting the weight, but only enough to allow the weightlifter to push the bar back to its resting position. Is that not good? Those of you who lift weights or have, you know, you know that feeling. You're just like, get this thing off of me. And they're like, come on, a little more, come on. And you know, some gyms, they're like screaming at you, come on, come on. I don't know that Jesus is screaming at us, but it doesn't say that he is at the right hand of the Father and makes intercession for us. There's something going on, some sort of cheering on. Come on, come on, you got this, you got this. And we all know he's the one that's got this, but you got this, you got this. A spotter acts in two roles, a safety and also a max strengthening purpose. It's good stuff, Jacob. Jacob said, I believe I have seen the Lord allow people to be pushed to the brink for the purpose of his kingdom. It's good stuff, Jacob. I want to challenge you guys. I want to encourage you guys. My current trial is preparing me to persevere through a greater tribulation again. I don't know how close to the end that we are. Maybe it will be that tribulation and great tribulation that the Bible talks about. Again, that's a whole other theological conversation. But what we do know is that the world is gradually worsening. And it's getting very difficult to focus on the Lord. To be about the Father's business. To grow in Christ, to become more like him, and to help others become more like him. We're distracted, we're discouraged, we're going through stuff, and that stuff is weighing us down and keeping us back and causing us to shriek back and to question the goodness of God. And when our trials are causing us to question the goodness of God, that is an indicator that you haven't been pressing into God for a while. Because if you're pressing into God and you're trying to understand him, what you will understand biblically, and this is why we've got to know the word, you are going to understand that my current trial is preparing me to persevere through a greater trial. Jesus said, in this life, there will be tribulation. You will be hated. We've had it good in America for a long time. We just haven't had to apply these scriptures, but I see it changing. Will we ever face martyrdom? I don't know. But I think we already are facing whole new levels of persecution. Does it hurt yet? No. But Jesus can't wait till the day that it does. And you know why? It's because he loves us. And he knows there is greater tribulation and difficulty coming in America than the falling gas prices or the falling oil industry or this or that or the things that we are concerned about. He's like, hey, that's nothing compared to what's coming. So please embrace this. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I want to challenge. And I am the king. I am the king of pessimism. My wife recently just, she laid it out there. Tony, you're a pessimist. No, I'm not an optimist. I couldn't even, I didn't even know how to say optimist. (laughs) I'm tongue-tied. I mean, you guys, I'm the goofball with lots of energy. I stand on chairs when I preach, you know. You laugh at me when I do those things. Surely, I'm an optimist. I'm a ha- No. Really, a lot of times, I can be a pessimist. And so this is why I wrote this on this page in first person. My current trials are preparing me to persevere through a greater tribulation. My current trials. 
Because life doesn't slow down. It gets faster. It gets harder. It does. Those of you who are single, wait till you're married. <laughs> Those of you who are married and you don't have kids. <laughs> Those of you who only have one or two kids, or even three, wait till that fourth one comes. It's like, no! Oh! Where did the light and momentary trials go? Affliction. And listen, you guys, it just doesn't stop. Some of you are in the phase of life where, yeah, you've gotten through the, the raising the kids, and you've got that, and they're out of the house, and now you're facing a body that doesn't work like it used to. And it's freaking you out. I can't do the things that I used to do, could do. You know, Melissa was going like this. Oh, okay, what was that announcement? Yeah. That stinks. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Especially when your wife says, Tony and uh, me and Tony are getting old. It's like, hey, you get old. I'm not getting old. You may be getting old. She's older than me, by the way. She's 41 years old. I'm only 40 until May, okay? I'm married up and I'm married older. You guys tracking with me? It doesn't matter. There is no one that is exempt from trials and difficulties. Yes, there are seasons that are smooth, and I love those seasons. But man, I'm just realizing those are few and far between. So what makes a season smooth? You bring joy, you bring joy, you bring joy to my soul. Let's stand and let's just sing that together. You bring joy, you bring joy, you bring joy, you bring joy to my soul. You bring joy, you bring joy, you bring joy, you bring joy to my soul. If you want to lift a hand, if you want to express something right now to the Lord as we close, you bring joy, you bring joy, you bring joy, you bring joy to my soul. And we sing it out as a declaration, beating the enemy, beating the, confronting him with the truth that these are light and momentary struggles. You bring joy, you bring joy, you bring joy, you bring joy to my soul. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you bring joy over and over and over in your word. You tell us to find joy. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice when the hard stuff comes. Rejoice. Rejoice. Get stronger. Press in, persevere over and over in your word. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. Joshua, this is beyond you. You've seen the giants in the land, Joshua. You've seen them. You're the one that I have chosen to lead the people into the land. And you know, you and Caleb know what those giants look like. You know how big and strong that they are. You remember 40 years ago when you spied out the land and you saw them. So get courage. Be courageous. Be courageous. And the fourth time God said, be very strong. And courageous. God's saying that to us. He's calling us to be Joshua's. He's calling us to be Caleb's. To enter into the land with confidence, with joy, and with an assurance that he can kick tail.